0: Welcome back to Muppets in Space, a Farscape Rewatch podcast on the Incomparable. Tonight, we're continuing our rewatch of season two, or watch the first time, have everyone look at it. Uh, this time around, we're doing episode three, Taking the Stone, and episode four, Crackers Don't Matter. I'm your host, Eric Scott, and joining me as always, my fellow co-host, somebody I know for a fact would never hoard his food from me, Jason Johnson.
1: Yeah, uh, so just to be clear, the, the Pulsar only affects... Lesser beings, so we're all fine, right? We're fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously we're highly evolved creatures, and we're not fall for any kind of effects by pulsars
1: or other strange creatures. Yeah, highly evolved. That's definitely us. Now I'm worried. That. No. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> and uh, as we kind of mentioned
0: off recording here, this might be a short podcast. We'll see. Uh, the, 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 the Reading the recap might be longer than our comments about the episode afterwards. We'll find out. All right. So let's get into this. Season two, episode three, Taking the Stone.
1: You can't see me, but I'm doing the little thing over my head. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, God. That's one more annoying thing. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) We'll maybe talk about that later.
0: Or maybe not. Aboard Moya, Tiana walks around in pain. She goes to speak to Crichton, who's busy in the maintenance bay, trying to learn more about Moya's systems. It's clear she's mentally or physically distressed and wants to talk to Crichton, but he's too engrossed in what he's doing and basically tells her to get lost. Leaving, she moves on to another area of the ship and cuts into her skin before extracting a small glowing disc from her body. After being extracted for a few seconds, it stops flashing. Chiana gets upset, saying the word Neri, before smashing a nearby DRD that arrived to dispose of the disc for her. Chiana then steals Aaron's prowler, of course, and flees Moya. And of course, Aaron is furious that Chiana has stolen her prowler. Xan and Dargo show them all the disc, having found it covered with Chiana's blood. Xan explains that it's a life disc, which some species have implanted in them to maintain a bond with somebody close to them. That seems useful. However, Yeah, I have some questions later. We might get into that too. However, as this life disc no longer functions, the person Chiana was cons- was connected to has died. And then you a know, light bulb goes off in Crichton's head, finally realizing that that's what she wanted to talk to him about. And then we cut to down the planet, where Chiana is cornered by a group of young men. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> Aaron, Crichton, and Rigel go down to the planet, which Rigel says is a royal cemetery planet. Crichton finds some of Chiana's clothes, and he and Aaron go to find her in the underground caves nearby, while Rigel, of course, finds the created jewels nearby. Nothing about going to happen from that, I'm sure. Yep. Nope. Aaron and Crichton hear Chiana screaming and go to save her. They find her in a room hanging upside down, but apparently she's doing it by her own choice. She tells the others that they shouldn't have come looking for her. Chiana makes a hasty exit, and as the boys with her leave, Crichton tells Aaron to go find Chianna, since she's angry with him and probably doesn't want to talk to him. Raja returns to Moya with his trunk full of stolen jewelry from the cemetery, where Duggar braids him for leaving Crichton and Aaron behind on the planet. Aaron visits Chiana and returns the disc to her. Chiana says that Neri is her brother, and he's dead. She tells Aaron about what they do on this planet, and asks Aaron to stay with her at least for... The Gathering. Meanwhile, Crichton speaks to two of the youths who say it's time to jump. They go out into an opening at the top of a huge pit. One of the youths, Molnon, starts a short speech about how they are taking the stone. Ding.
1: Hands up, up your head. Yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) Episode name drop and appropriate physical pose. And then one of them jumps into the pit. And as he's falling, he's caught near the bottom by a sonic net, which Aaron says is sustained by their own voices. Another of the youths jumps... Uh, but does not get caught, and basically slams into the ground and dies. Chiana says that she's got to do that, which I'm hoping she means the one where you live, not the other one. but you know. Nearby, Chiana is with a pregnant girl, Vina, and when Crichton calls her, Aaron tells him to leave her alone. She tells Crichton that it was her brother's life disc, and says that if he tries to make her leave, she will stay despite him. Molnon is then seen asking Chiana to stay on the planet. Back on Moya, Xan is chanting, saying that Raja's items may be cursed. See, of course. He steal items from the cemetery. Of course they're cursed. Aaron asks Vina what she spoke to Chiana about. Apparently Chiana wants to jump. Crichton goes to speak to Chiana, but she doesn't want to know what he's telling her and tells him to go away, stating she doesn't need his help. Crichton tells her that she doesn't need them. They're just stone monkeys that jump off cliffs, and I agree with that. Chiana says that at least they live before they die. Aaron tells Crichton that it's Chiana's choice, and annoyed, Crichton leaves. Aaron then asks Chiana if she'd really jump, and she says that she just might. Crichton, meanwhile, has found an older woman that's been following him. She says that at 22 cycles, if they don't take the stone, ding, they hide and make themselves lost because the others don't like seeing them diseased. Kind of reminds me of like the Miri Star Trek episode where you get old, you die kind of thing. Crichton talks to Moulin, saying that it's easy for them to jump, knowing that they will die, but Cheyenne isn't going to die. Mulnon won't talk until Crichton takes a drug, mushrooms, so he does. Makes sense. Yeah, of course. Another topic later. Mulnon then tells him that he's scared of dying, so Chianna will take the jump in his place. Crichton then trips out from the drug and passes out, where later Aaron finds him on the floor and tells her that he convinced him to get Chiana not to jump. I don't think so. He sends Aaron to take a skin sample of the youth that he got that was diseased to Zan to see if she can cure them. Crichton takes some pills for his headache, slash hangover, or whatever, and Gianna runs up to him saying that Molnon told her what they spoke about. Crichton says, That's great, now we can leave. But she says, No, we're jumping instead. Or she's jumping. Crichton argues with her, but she says she wants to jump. She has to. Crane says that she can't want to die, and for some reason injects her with a drug from a syringe, knocking her out unconscious. Aaron, however, won't let Crichton take Chiana away, saying that he, he can't take her. If she wants to kill herself, she'll find a way. If not here, then elsewhere. Crichton asks when she became so insightful, and she, she simply replies that she understands loss. Back on the ship, Rigel has decorated his quarters with the stolen goods, and then they all suddenly start to vibrate and fall off the walls. Xan tells Crichton that the youths are suffering from radiation poisoning. The caves that they're in underground amplify the effect. Back on the ship, again, Rigel yells at Xan and Dargo for making the stuff in his room cursed. Yeah, back on the planet, Vena's having her baby, and Crichton and Aaron say that if they move out of the caves, they'll live longer, including her baby, but she says that it's the clans that make the rules, not Molnon. Chiana is about to take the stone. Ding. Hands up As your her head. Crichton and Aaron... Yeah... <laughs> As there and Aaron come and tell them about the, the, the radiation, Molnon says that they will not move to the surface. So Crichton says he will force him to take the stone. Ding! Hands over heads. Yeah. If the clans don't vote. Naturally, Molnon agrees. Back in his quarters on Moya, Rigel's getting scared. The curse causes some needles to fire at him, pinning him against the wall. So he agrees to take all his items, his stolen items back. Back on the planet, Molnon tells Crichton that the clans voted to stay. All of them. They want to take the stone. Ding. Okay, I'm getting tired now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chianna has apparently gone ahead, so Crichton punches Mulan out. Yay. He then visits Chianna and tells her of the clan's vote. She tells Crichton that when she was younger, she never had any courage. She followed Neri, her brother, so she has to do this. She jumps and gets caught in the sonic net. Both Crichton and are overjoyed that she made it. Later, Chianna buries Neri's life disc on the planet, while Crichton asks Aaron if he seems a bit crazy lately. Uh, Yeah. Rigel returns his stuff as Creighton goes to Chiana to see if she's okay. She says that the jump was incredible. He should have tried it. He says that he's too old and it's time to go. The end. Trivia about this episode. Gigi Edgeley was comfortable on a trapeze, so they used those skills during the filming. The concept of the cemetery planet came from Rockne O'Bannon's first trip to Australia, when a location scouting trip discovered a cemetery built into the side of a hill uh, Oban also stated that if the series had continued, the story of China's brother would have gone a bit further. I tried to get him into the four-hour miniseries, The Peacekeeper Wars. He thought that was an important part, and as the other co-creator David Kemper and I ambitiously began developing the story, our intent wasn't to close out everybody's story, but to deal with all those familiar and relationship things that we'd opened up. And finally, Rowan Woods, the director of this episode, felt that there were missed opportunities in the episode, saying, You look at some of the ones that don't quite work, and it's nearly always because you haven't been able to keep the reality going. Taking the stone, ding, not really, do not count. But, had elements in the setup that could have made it a really top-door episode. Really affect the audience emotionally, but at certain points and in certain areas, including mine, it just fell over somewhat. Yep. And I will 100% agree with that complete statement. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, so what did you think about this dumpster fire of an episode, Jason? So, <laughs> um, you know, uh, as bottle episodes go, it's not the worst. I mean I was I was able to roll through most of it just fine. It doesn't stand up to scrutiny. I think as we you know obviously showed during the recap, there's you know a lot of holes and my biggest issue with both of these episodes and I'll beat on it a lot more in the next one I think is we reverted to crew members infighting and running away from from each other again. And I was kind of hoping we were past that. I think that was my biggest sigh with this whole episode was just, you know, okay, we're back to chasing one of the crew members who's Run off! Uh, I'm flashing back to, I forget the name of the episode, but the one where in the first season where Crichton was on the the planet, you know, where they they thought everybody left him for so long, you know. So, Jeremiah Crichton. Yeah, exactly. What about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess as I've kind of hinted at, or just flat out said about a minute <laughs> ago, <laughs> I, I I didn't really care for this episode. Once again, like I said last time, if I start daydreaming or thinking about other things while I'm watching this episode, then it's over. You know, especially since we have to watch it for a podcast, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to pay more attention to things so I can note stuff to talk about. And when you're like, I just want this thing to end. Like I, I don't care about the stone kids on the planet. I don't care about this, their, whatever society, however that works. I just want Chianna to jump
1: and be like, okay, I did it. Now we can go. I was just like, please end this thing. Yeah. It, it, it had some moments, and I think that they acknowledged that in the comment we just a minute, read a minute ago, that on review, it may not have been their best work. Yeah, because it sounds like they said,
0: they're not that they were rushed, but that they just didn't do their job right. And uh, like some of the things that don't make any sense, if this is a graveyard planet, I guess for the whole Uncharted Territories, which, why not? I don't know, whatever, it's a cool idea, I guess. Why are there people on it? Are they the people that used to live there? Like that was that their planet before it got turned into a graveyard? Which okay, great, that's a nice way to ruin their planet, <laughs> turn into a giant graveyard. Are they like workers or caretakers for the sites? They weren't doing either, uh, so I don't. You know, there's radiation killing them. If they are a workforce, that's not kind of good to keep the workforce going to kill them all, right? So, I I don't get
1: it. Yeah, I I I think any of those are plausibilities, right? And I think that's that's probably what makes these two episodes less than they should be in my opinion is that we seem to have hit a trend of not following up on any of these loose threads i'm, I'm good with a, a tv show especially these these kind of uh serial sci-fi shows like this you don't have to answer everything right i mean some some things just roll week to week and sometimes we you know you're not going to know everything about a planet that you visit but i, I feel like we've kind of given up and we're not trying for any of them at this point right like why are the people there why, why is the radiation there to kill them where did the net come from where is we don't know anything, and we don't know anything when we leave. It's it's a little bit of character development with our with our main uh, crew members, but these guys didn't advance one way or another, and we don't know anything more about them than when we showed up. Yeah, I mean, to your point,
0: we don't have to have ironclad reasons why stuff happens, but just something would be nice. Like you're on a deserted planet, but obviously there's they say there's clans, so there's more than like the eight people we saw on the thing. So okay, how's that work? Or not that we're gonna see more of them because they're underground and you can't hire a thousand extras. It's like it, at least explain a little bit. You don't have to explain the whole thing, but just give me something other than just, yeah, we're here and we like to jump off things and get stoned and have a good time. Like, okay, I guess. Well, and there's a net at the bottom of the shaft. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, what's the point of that? I don't. And, and Aaron said there was a peacekeeper sonic net. Okay, so did the peacekeepers put it there? in the uncharted territories that supposedly no one's supposed to go to because it's uncharted. If they did, why yeah. did the people just find it and thought it'd be really cool to throw it at the bottom of a pit and jump off it? I, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah. So peacekeepers are jerks. Is that my note from here? I, I <laughs> don't know what to say about this. It's, it's confusing. There's, there's no reason giving, Oh, they put the, the net at the bottom of the pit to be part of a mining expedition. Yeah. You th- throw some little tidbit out there. It's like, it's like, you know, you could write it off if you just tried. Yeah, I mean, or it's, you know,
0: just make it fun. Like, oh, is this a peacekeeper, you know, ritual that they do for graduation? What, something, just, you know, just something to make it interesting. But just like, it's a net and you have to jump off and have the right vocal in, in intonation to activate it or something. I mean, okay, cool. And I guess that's their way of, I guess, finally dying when they, you know, if they're getting radiation
1: poisoning and want to kill themselves, just jump off and just don't trigger the net. Which but, seems to be okay. a bad net design if it needs a vocal... Cue to work.
0: Yeah, they don't really explain what the net was for, other than to, obviously to stop them from hitting the ground. But is it used, like, what's it really used for? But not that we need to know that, but now I'm curious because you've talked about it and we've seen what it does. Why? But okay, but just that's just me wanting to know, you know, how these things work. But yeah. And uh, I guess it's probably the only, to me anyway, only interesting bit of this episode was Rigel and stealing the jewels, obviously, because that's what he does. He He quote-unquote collects loose, unintended things. Kind of added comedy to an otherwise dark and weird episode. You know, you're you're kind of meant to think that the items were really cursed, somehow. I don't think you know. Even though Zan and Dargo didn't like him taking them, I don't think they faked the curse somehow. Like they did something on the ship, so it's it's not fake in that respect. So I guess they were probably
1: cursed somehow. Or I'm thinking, or maybe some kind like futuristic anti-theft device. I don't know. Uh, Again, a missed opportunity for what would be a fun part of the story right i mean if i I would have enjoyed that whole section a lot more if if you got a justification if if they were messing with rigel maybe maybe that's the fix right maybe just show them laughing about it at the end or something kind of without him seeing it'd be funny characters it if if it's real and it's actually cursed then have some have some indicator of that at the end the the fade to black at the end of this missed a lot of threads i think that could have been fun yeah,
0: because at least, you know, you, you may have taught him a lesson about stealing stuff that he wasn't supposed to have, you know, because he, he was kind of freaked out and, you know, he yelled out loud, you know, I'm going to give his stuff back, stop, you know, whatever, stop, you know, stop torturing me or whatever. So I, maybe he learned his lesson. I'm pretty sure not, but,
1: you know. He learned it today. You know, he'll forget it tomorrow, but he learned it today. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and I guess back to the A-plot, I guess. Um it wasn't just me. I know we talked about this before, but Crichton kind of went way out of character in this episode. Maybe he was trying to overcompensate for, you know, blowing Jenna off at the beginning. But he seems really, really eager to get her back on the ship. This isn't like a crew. They're not part of like a the same, you know, space force or whatever. It's like, you know, they're just, you know, six random people on a ship. You know, if she wants to leave. She can leave. But he really wants her back on the ship to the point of like drugging her unconscious to
1: drag her back to the ship. Really? So, there are a lot of frightened changes in this season. I think we've hit on a a couple of them as we went. You know, I think uh, in one of the episodes you mentioned it was the first time he started carrying a gun, which he carries throughout the rest of the series. You know, and we took that as character progression. That's fine. He quit wearing the, I almost said NASA, IASA clothing, and he's now wearing more Peacekeeper ish stuff. Now, I did notice in this episode he had a really cool duster. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. And he's a lot more aggressive and dark. To the point that, you know, our scientist from episode one is now grabbing mushrooms out of people's hand with a 25% chance of killing him and, uh, you know, taking him and getting stoned just to get an answer to a question that really didn't help him. I don't know. I think we're we're off on a little uh, character change here that I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, I mean, who knows if this is some kind of arc or something, because I haven't
0: seen this first part of season two, or I can't remember, but. Is he, is he like trying to? Or is he having like you know PTSD for being you know in the new, new part of the universe and just having all these things after him and he's, he was tortured several I don't know how long weeks ago or whatever it's been you know. So is he having some kind of effect from that and he's just kind of acting differently or is it just like you know just bad writing just oh well we'll just make it drama. We have to get back to the ship. Oh she doesn't want to go. Okay we're gonna do anything we can to get her back.
1: Yeah and I could say maybe it's maybe it's a reaction to the chair where they mess with his memories. I mean there's lots of things that may be. It just seems really out of character from what we started with as a fairly pacifistic scientist to uh, honestly, he reminds me more of Kreis, you know, kind of in this episode than the Crichton we started with.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: And yeah, while he, you know, has upped his fashion game a tad,
0: and I I hate to say this, I don't normally focus on this. What's up with Crichton's hair this, this season? Uh, It's like, he just like woke up and just, walked out of the cabin like
1: that i don't get it he, he finally found some space hair gel so he's he's good now i don't know yeah has <laughs> got nothing i don't know it's just one of those things <laughs> that just kind of strikes me as f- just i
0: like look at him going like what's up with your hair dude like and i don't normally think about it like that it's like, well but-, but this time it's just like it's like all like unkempt and spiky and like is this was that like was that like the fad in like the late 90s i don't remember
1: well yeah we did have you know spike spiked hair and stuff but I think it and it goes with the the leather duster and the the you know red leather shirt or whatever he's wearing now and you know it's just you know image change uh, he's almost he's almost sci-fi pirate you know that's, that's kind of the yeah, like thing that like tough tough goth look or something I'm not sure whether he was moonlighting on Buffy you just didn't see it you know so
0: yeah <laughs> And like we said, you know, several times during the episode, we got to—they name dropped this episode title about half a dozen or more times. So yay! I know we were saying before we kind of missed the name dropping of the episode. We hadn't had that in a while. They made it for it this time around.
1: Yeah, I was—I was contemplating some kind of drinking game that you could make out of that, but that seems like a bad idea at the rate they're going. So I think we're just going to stick with the little hand thing above the head. You know, every time they name drop the title from now on, I'm just going to do the little uh, taking the stone moment movement here. <laughs> Although that would explain the quality of the episode
0: if they were drinking while they are making it.
1: Anyway. It was the mushrooms. I,
0: yeah, I guess. And I guess the only, well, to me, other good bit, sort of. I mean, like we, like we said before, even in bad episodes or not so good episodes, you at least get some character stuff to take away. So at least this time we got more backstory on Shanna. You know, she had a brother, and she said she always followed him and did what he did. And now that he's dead, so I guess this was her way of maybe coming out of his shadow figuratively, you know, being her own person. Although she kind of has been so far, but,
1: oh, well, you know, it's nice to get some backstory that this is how she used to be. There is. I guess if I'm going to take it a little negative, it would be that it would have made more sense if we had mentioned of the brother before. And so his death could have meant something. When you, when you kind of find out about him after he's died um, from a dying electronic implant, it's not quite as jarring, I think, it would be if we had some attachment to the brother before.
0: Yeah, and just being a tech geek that I am, it's like how those things work over light years and whatever. And if it's the signal, then can that signal be traced? And can they be found that way? Well, anyway, but, you know, quibbles, and it's not important, but that's just me wondering how stuff works. Yeah, it, it was the MacGuffin. It's good. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it worked for what it needed to do. So and I guess the only other thing maybe I can just briefly mention just because it was kind of weird, icky, it was like the, the, the Vena, the pregnant woman, had like a see-through stomach, so, you can like see the baby growing. It's like, ooh, but okay. I guess that's interesting, if not physio-
1: physiologically weird. Yeah. I, I took that one as a cool alien you know, thing, kind of a, a good reminder that, hey, these aren't humans. You know, we make everybody look human because that's convenient for TV, but, you know, they're not human. And so they're going to have their own physiology. And I think that was kind of a cool little effect, but I get what you're saying.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was neat. It was just kind of off putting. The first time you see it, you're like, is that okay <laughs> you don't need a sonogram when you can just look man so yeah i mean it m- must make it easy then to know everybody's fine you know oh yeah he's moving around okay everything looks great so probably not a big o- obgyn uh, practice going on, on that planet i guess no she, she was pretty self-sufficient so <laughs> yeah all right all right Wonder- I, I think that's about the only
1: good stuff i can talk about in this episode <laughs> all right we'll, we'll roll right along man. before we get too negative That moves us on to uh, Season 2, Episode 4, Crackers Don't Matter. We open with Dargo bringing an alien named Trailtix aboard Moya, uh, who said that he can adjust her electromagnetics so that they can't be traced, which has now become a necessity because Scorpius has left wanted beacons all over the commerce planet they just visited. So basically, hiding is getting difficult. They were there for food, but all China brought back were dried food rectangles. Crackers. Lots and lots of crackers. Aaron brought one of the wanted beacons on board, explaining that they only had time to get crackers since they had to leave the Commerce Planet before they could be recognized. She's now trying to access the beacon to find where Scorpius is headed so Moya can head in the opposite direction. Xan has decided to let Trailtix test his device on Crichton's module. Crichton's not happy about that with this ship being used for, as a test subject. However, Aaron points out that it's the best choice since it's been upgraded with systems from Moya. When Crichton activates it, he thinks nothing's happened, but it worked. The marginal has partially disappeared. Pilot is worried about how the device may affect Moya, but Crichton sharply overrules his concerns and tells him that, it's going to, that they're going to Treltec's planet is worth the risk. They fly through an area of space with five pulsars, which Treltec says occasionally affects, quote, lesser species, with impaired judgment and wooziness, but the symptoms are only mild and temporary. No one feels anything except for Zan, who has immensely enjoying the light. Remember, she's kind of a plant. As Crichton is walking with Trailtics, he notices Chan is eating the crackers and is concerned, telling her she better leave some for the rest of them. As he leaves, Dargo walks in and Channa says they need to talk. Crichton continues to try and find Trailtics a place suitable for him and walks past Rigel. After exchanging insults, Crichton tells him that Chan is eating all the food. Meanwhile, Aaron is fiddling with the beacon, when Zam comes along and asks what she's doing, she then asks if Aaron would tell them if there was a personal message for her from Scorpius, offering her a full pardon for returning them in. Uh, but Aaron just tells her to go away. Crichton, clearly tense, calls Zan to come and babysit Trailtix. Concerned, she asks if he's feeling okay. Back to Dargo as he sneaks up on Rigel, who's currently stockpiling crackers. They argue, and then disturbingly, Dargo begins ramming crackers down Rigel's throat. Just as it seems he's going to choke him. Dargo comes to his senses and realizes exactly what he's doing and leaves in a state of panic and distress. Meanwhile, Trailtix tells Pilot that he thinks there's something wrong with Xan, but Pilot says she's probably just enjoying the Pulsar. She is a plant, and the light's enjoyable for her. Trailtix casually asks Pilot if he likes the others aboard, and Pilot says that no, he really doesn't think he does. Later, Crichton calms Pilot, but doesn't get an answer for a while. Although Pilot claims it's a problem with the comms, it's clear he was deliberately ignoring Crichton, who asks Pilot to run a scan as he thinks that the crew are starting to act strange. He then hears Chyanna and Aaron arguing because Aaron won't show her the hidden message in the beacon. Crichton tells Aaron to show it to her, just to shut her up, but then Chyanna wonders why he wants her to watch it. Dargo comes in and asks what's going on. However, Crichton is spoiling for a fight and deliberately provokes Dargo into punching him. When he gets up, Crichton wonders why they're all fighting. Crichton tells Treltox that he said the light would only have minimal effects, on them and he says he's never known the effect to be so bad zan is meanwhile sitting in the corner continuing to soak up the light aaron finds rigel and says that she has a plan and needs him to watch her back from the others she says she knows she can trust him because he's too cowardly to betray her china thinks aaron is hiding something and maybe she and Crichton are contacting scorpius to turn them in zan come along comes along and dargo asks if she's working with Crichton, and when she tells him to leave her alone he tongues her unconscious Crichton is in Pilot's den asking about the scan, however, Pilot won't answer and instead heaps insults on him, telling him about how deficient humans are. Crichton becomes irritated and eventually tries to run the scan himself, but Pilot doesn't take kindly to Crichton climbing into his console, and the two get into a brief physical scuffle before Pilot ejects him by force. This attack clears Crichton's head, and he realizes that Pilot is acting very out of character and asks if he can see the light from the pulsars down here. Pilot eventually confirms that no light is physically reaching the den, leaving the question of how he's been exposed to it. Crichton goes to see Aaron, but she draws her gun on him. She and Rigel are only taking their fair share of crackers, but Crichton says he doesn't care about them. He asks where his ice cream is, sings a little rhyme about it, and then runs off. In the meantime, Trailtix is taking all of the DRDs and says he needs them to make light, but Pilot doesn't trust him. Trailtix says that he can help Pilot, but only if Pilot helps him. Pilot decides to help, since he'd rather do that than anything for the crew right now. Chyna and Dargo are trying to leave Moya in Crichton's module, but he's taken out a component that it needs to fly, and he's also disabled the hangar doors, so they're not leaving. On command, Aaron is moving some things around and is angry that Rigel is not watching her back when Crichton comes along. He wants them to lock all the guns away, but she says no and shoots at him. He calls Pilot and says he thinks Aaron may be trying to take over the ship, but Pilot says he's aware of her plan. Crichton then comes across Chyanna meddling with the beacon, and he wants to know what she's doing. She needs him where it hurts and runs off, and then the beacon starts to talk back to him. Scorpius starts reminding him of how he got his revenge on a kid at school when he was younger and says they must be ready as the others are coming for him. Meanwhile, Treltix asks Pilot for even more light. Crichton goes and threatens Dargo with his pistol when Scorpius again comes to him. Crichton shoots Dargo and Scorpius tells him to finish him off. As Crichton talks to him, Dargo runs off, leaving a trail of blood. Crichton then goes and finds Channa and grabs her from behind. He's ready to kill her when Scorpius appears and tells him to tie her up so they can have fun with her later. Rigel tells Aaron that Crichton is coming, and Aaron knocks him out because she thinks he's going to betray her. Crichton comes and they exchange insults, and Scorpius tells him to kill her. Crichton has words with him and shoots him, and then he and Aaron exchange gunfire. They both run out of cartridges and lunge at each other. Next, we see Crichton dragging Aaron into a room where he has everybody else tied up. He tells Dargo that he needs everyone to understand that crackers don't matter, ding, the episode name drop. while shooting the piles of crackers that have been left laying around. He says that since six has come aboard, they've all been acting crazy, but they've passed the Pulsars, so their behavior isn't due to their light. Zen says that when she was near Treltex, she was more affected than she was by the light. Crichton says that he needs her, their help because Moya is starting to glow. He says that Treltix wants them out of the way so he can create light. Dargo wants to pay him a visit and Aaron says they should kill him. When Crichton unties her, she tells him to never pull a gun on her again. Crichton says he'll go and kill Treltex. All they have to do is find a way to keep the light off of him. Dargo and Aaron both want to go, but China says that Crichton must since he's the only one not affected by the light due to his bad eyesight being far inferior to everybody else's. Although Crichton disputes that his eyesight is worse than the others, it's proven when everybody else reads a warning on the basin that Crichton can't even see. Uh, Suzanne so pays Crichton's face up with some anti-light puke and they all give him items to keep the light away from him as well as the device that was previously used on the module that lets him detect approach undetected. They all take a look at their finished product and he resembles some fake tacky failed superhero. And Aaron says, they're all gonna die. Crichton uses the disappearing device and going, goes after trail tick, Starts and starts severing the wires to cut off the light. Treltic starts firing at him and clings to the wall, but Crichton shoots him off and then stabs him. Pilot, feeling terrible for the things he said and did, talks to everyone to apologize for his actions. He finishes with Dargo and Rigel, who both accept without reservation since they're feeling just as bad. Dargo says that he's ashamed of what he did to Rigel, and Rigel says that he thought Dargo was going kill, to kill him and he can't forgive him yet. Channa tells Crichton that, he, that she was impressed with some of the things he said and how he took charge. Zan asks if she did anything bad, as she has no memories of it. China says no, she was the best, and looked like she was having a great time. Crichton and Aaron awkwardly apologize to each other, and then Aaron leaves. Crichton, filled with guilt over the way he acted, asks Zan how they can take it all back. She answers simply and honestly that she doesn't know. Trivia for this episode, Danny Adcock had to look through a series of mirrors in order to see out of TrailTex's makeup. Director Ian Watson described the episode as The Shining Retold. Crichton references this when he does his Nicholson impression of "Here's Johnny." The episode was written quickly due to production delays in "Picture, if you will," which is episode six, and the production required a ship-bound story. Which might also explain why. Well, anyway, why it wasn't so good, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. And force feeding the force feeding scene had to be edited because it was too violent. It originally required major contortions from the puppeteers. And uh, these contortions nearly broke broke the new Rigel puppet that had just been introduced in this episode. So that sounds like it could have been an expensive uh, scene. Thoughts? (laughs) Since you kind of hit it out of just a second ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah, surprise. um, Or I didn't really like this at first. I thought the acting was way too over the top. And sometimes, especially, I didn't really understand what Traltix was trying to do. Almost for like nine-tenths of the episode, and then finally at the end he says something like, in like a one-off line that, you know, if, if, if they can't get this Moya, I'm paraphrasing, like, if they can't get Moya, they'll find another Leviathan and use its light so they can spread throughout the galaxy and kill everybody. Okay, so they're just a whole planet full of suicidal whatever they are, I don't I guess. Or crazy homicidal creatures that like light? I don't, whatever.
1: Yeah, the... I don't know. I, I, as we've kind of said, this this isn't a very deep plot. Maybe that mention of having to to quickly get it written and up to snuff because they were had some other stuff that didn't work out is the issue. But and I, I want to give them credit for trying to to focus on the characters with their time. Right. I mean, you only get so many so much time, so many minutes per per episode, and I think they spent a lot of them on our crew, which is who we really care about, right? I think the problem is they did that at the expense of any explanation of trail ticks and what was going on with him, right? Maybe the puppet, excuse me, the, or the makeup wasn't that good, and they had to um, just kind of work with it and, and keep him not on screen as much, although they don't seem to have that problem in some scenes, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm making excuses. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what they were trying to do for most of it other than just let the characters have fun with a crazy scene, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a good chance to just kind of act out of a character and
0: just kind of have a relaxing day just screaming around, stomping around, and doing crazy things, but yeah, I mean you're thinking, or Traltic says it's the light from the pulsars that makes lesser beings, you know, quote unquote you know, a little woozy or a little little off. Okay and obviously we know that's not true, as they found out later, because pa- uh, Crichton asked Pilot, you haven't seen the pulsars you're down here in the middle of the ship you know, so none of, the, none of the light's reaching you so it's not that so the only other alternative is it has to be Traltic somehow messing with the crew but they only explain how, not that they have to again, but it would kind of help a little bit. Maybe it's how he talks, like it's something in his voice because he never, he never meets pilot, right? He just talks to him over the comms and he's like, you know, do you like the crew? So maybe he's trying, to, maybe that's some kind of like mental thing where he can influence or this, it's like some kind of sub subsonic thing in his speech that messes with your brain, maybe. That's the only thing I could think of to make it at least plausible to me anyway.
1: Yeah, it it's almost like they wanted this episode that the trail takes part of this episode needed to be longer because we needed more explanation and more time to flesh it out. But I don't want the episode to be any longer, <laughs> so <laughs> it, it works where it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it just kind of there's just, like hints of good stuff, and it just kind of just stops. It's like okay, so you know he he wants light, and I guess the more more light he gets. I guess then he's able to start like shooting these like laser beam kind of things out of his head. So I guess, and either that, either that takes the energy away, obviously, because you're shooting it out of your head or whatever, or just in general, his species likes light, so they need a constant supply of it in order to, their grand scheme of killing everybody in the galaxy, okay? So I guess they can't just hang around stars all the time, because they have to go actually meet the people and kill them, so they have to leave the stars. And I guess Leviathans are the only spaceship kind of thing that can generate their own internal light? So he needs the Leviathan versus
1: like a peacekeeper ship or a Nabari ship or whatever else that we've seen, right? I think in that paragraph that you just said, you just documented more information on the backstory of these creatures than there were in the Farscape manual. Exactly. <laughs> so it's
0: like, if, if I have to make up the headcanon or, or the, 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 the the whole purpose of this guy's existence,
1: why is he there? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I was I was thinking they were like some kind of bug-like creature that needed light to feed or evolve, but again, head cannon. I'm making it all up. So
0: yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's just there to dangle the carrot in front of them that you know, hey, I can make you untraceable, and then really, I'm just here to steal your ship and kill you all,
1: and you know, okay, fine. I mean, that's good enough, I guess. Reason. So, so, so what you're saying is he don't, he was there just to steal their crackers? Yeah. Well, you know, crackers don't matter. <laughs> yeah. hands over your head
0: yeah (laughs) or at least stuff your mouth full of crackers i guess Uh, so i guess my my other kind of quibble among like the 14 we talked (laughs) the only other one you have except for the 14 we've still got to go (laughs) the only other major problem i have with this episode is that they spent the whole first season building up the character's trust you know like you know dargo didn't really care for Crichton. You know, at the end, they became like, you know, brothers and buddies and they would die for each other and all the stuff. And all the other characters, you know, building up their relationships, even with Shiana, who came in towards like the last five or six episodes. And yeah, they're all not in the right minds and acting out and doing things that really are really, really hard to forgive and forget. You know, shoot each other, trying to kill each other. I mean, really, if you think about it there's like almost like an attempted rape scene with Crichton and Shanna when he like cornered her and was like hovering over, which was,
1: I was really trying not to think about
0: it wrong. Anyway. So, and to Crichton's point at the end, like, how do you, how do you move past this? And yeah, that's the question. It's like, you've built all this trust for 24 episodes now, and you've just shot it all down the toilet in this episode.
1: Yeah, so and I think you just hit on if I if I had to rank these two episodes, I actually rank the first one higher, even though I think this one has more of a story and I really enjoy the characters getting to chew the scenery. Right? All right, these actors just can. There, there's some good spots in it, but a the characters are are, are, are hit, hit. There's a difference between kind of being crazy and being nasty to each other, and I think we crossed that line quite a bit. But my main issue is, and it's it, it's a personal preference of mine is I like my my main characters to get along, right? I, I like dealing with, with outside conflict and overcoming, but I don't like everything to be internal strife. And I feel like we'd finally hit a point where we weren't, everything was an internal strife. And then you hit an episode like this where it breaks everything. And, and we're, we're back to hurt feelings and justifiably. So, and we have to go from there. And it, 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 I'm sure it'll get better. It just was, it, it's, it's a personal preference that I, I, I prefer my conflict exterior to the story, to the characters.
0: Yeah, and ultimately at the end, they did band together. Obviously, otherwise it'd be a really short season and show. You know, they, they did band together and did deal with the real source of the problem. But yeah, up until that point, it's just like this. I, I know like the sci-fi channel or the executives or the creators were like, we can get a little darker because we can push the envelope. Yeah, but you may have pushed it just a tad too far this time.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I said, it, it passed insane hijinks into unnecessary. And I, I I'm not sure why. But yeah, it it it's done. It's there. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, but I mean, at least they did kind of keep some funny
0: stuff that we come to expect in the show. It wasn't like, just like total dark, depressing brain swap, basically. <laughs> you know, but you know, Aaron and Crichton shooting at each other was kind of funny. And then they they both run out of bullet, not bullets, but cart- whatever they call them, cartridges rounds whatever you want to call it and they both look at each other it's like do you have any more gun you more rounds no and then they both they both come out at each other like throw the guns at themselves and then run run at each other and they cut away so that's kind of funny
1: yeah i mean the 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 scenes like that where the characters are as I, I like to say chew the scenery right there they were enjoying themselves it was kind of a, a fun not quite lighthearted, but you know what i'm saying it, it, it was just a fun moment of interaction it was way better than the them being so out of character that they were being nasty. And I think that was the difference between those scenes that we enjoyed and the parts that we kind of looking back on kind of question. Speaking of, of name dropping the title, uh, I did want to mention, I thought it was kind of neat to give it a double meaning of, you know, the crackers don't matter. And I, maybe I'm misreading it, but, you know, uh, losing your crackers is kind of slang for, you know, losing it. Right. And um, yeah. so um, you kind of got a little double meaning there. So I thought that was kind of cute.
0: Yeah, and we are kind of wondering,
1: you know, like, oh, no, there's no way they're going to name drop that title in the
0: episode. And, of course, they did. So, hey, okay, there you go. Yep. And then also poking fun at, you know, poor humans with their bad eyesight. You can't even read that text over there. He's like, there's no text over there. Yeah, there is. <laughs> so, so I don't know if it was, like, really small or just a different color or wavelength
1: and, 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 or something and, and, that humans can't see. I don't know, but it was, it was hilarious. <laughs> and all of them got to, got it on it. Every one of them got the read part of it. So I thought that was that was, again, good play between the characters. Yeah, and then at the end, you know, they they're decking him out. You know, each, each person gave him something
0: that he needed for the the big final fight with Trellics. You know, and just,
1: even it, if it's just vomit.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of funny to have each person kind of give him something and get him all suited up, and then they cut back to him looking like yeah, like that cheap, you know, third, you know, D-list superhero, and
1: he like has it superhero pose, and Aaron's like, yeah, we're dead. <laughs> did, did, do you remember? Uh, it's a tangent, but do you remember the? Um... I don't remember which channel it was on. Now it was uh, one of the early superhero TV shows—not early, but you nineties, two thousands. One's The Cape, where he was like a carnival. He was a oh you know, yeah yeah police officer on the that. run or whatever, and and he had he had the cape. That was what flashed in my head when I saw that. I'm like, he's like The Cape. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, like it was NBC or something. It was yeah, only lasted like
0: one season. One yeah, season. If that, I think. But yeah, that, I, I do I, I, do, I do remember cut. that. Yeah, anyway, that's that was my thought. He was The Cape. Yeah, but I guess my, my, my favorite. Part of the episode is uh, when John has visions of Scorpius trying to pro- provoke him and saying, you know, everyone's out to get you. But Scorpius is wearing a Hawaiian shirt. I loved it, which also just proves that really this is all some kind of mind bleepery going on. that's not really real, obviously, because where would Scorpius get a Hawaiian shirt? But he's, he's like acting all casual and like, you know, just having fun
1: with John and dropping names and you know, with a, his old friends, whatever he's doing. It was just hilarious. Well, and every time he he, he sees him, or at least we see him he he talks about going to get a different kind of food you know let's go get pizza let's go get italian let's go get yeah you know that was like okay that's just that's pretty good stuff he would have no clue about obviously because it's not you know scorpio says no clue
0: what italian food is but yeah it's just great it just proves that you know Crichton's out of his mind yeah
1: nobody wants to go get pizza anyway (laughs)
0: yeah especially pizza with pineapple on it we don't go there i I like pineapple pizza
1: that's it this podcast is over All right. Anything else to not talk about this episode? <laughs> well, evidently I ruined it. Now, um, no, I think I think that's it. We'll we'll leave it at the pineapple and the pizza. Okay. All right. So it's just a. Quick... It's like crackers. It doesn't matter. That's right.
0: It doesn't matter. Both these episodes, in the grand scheme of things,
1: <laughs> don't matter. <laughs> don't matter.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, they aren't necessarily bad. Like DNA med scientist bad, but. Uh, I, I think crackers what matters is a little better kind of than the taking the stone just cause I really didn't care about anybody in the other episode, but it's not exactly great either. So I guess it's passable if that's a category we're ranking. I don't know. We haven't reset really the ranking system
1: yet, but it's not bad. Yeah, it's not I, good. Uh, it's yeah. Oh, well, it's yeah. Eh. It's yeah. Eh. I, I will say that we're, and, and maybe I feel like, we ended last season on such a high note that that two-parter was really good and I don't know if they're struggling to follow it up I don't know if they're struggling to figure out what this season's arc is supposed to be because I don't know if we have an arc yet right we've kind of got really the last major development we had was the first one which was actually a part two right so anything that's truly standalone in this season uh, of the four episodes are I don't know yeah, it's, it's well, just, three, it's three just three them trying to get away from Scorpius effectively, but they're not really talking about him. So it's Well, but we are not. We haven't seen Scorpius, really, right? I mean, so we're not really getting away from Scorpius. So, yeah, I think we're just kind of bottle-episoding right now while they try to find an arc. So hopefully we'll find an arc and pick back up. Yeah, and it sounded like they were kind of
0: rushed with these two episodes. Like, the one, I guess the director the director dropped the ball, I guess, or maybe the was writing two, and this last one they wrote kind of on the fly because they're working on one that we're going to see next time. So, yeah. Yep. Speaking of yeah, speaking of <laughs> next time, so there'll be season two, episode five, "The Way We Weren't," and episode six, "Picture If You Will." So for playing our little take a wild guess at the title, "The Way We Weren't" kind of sounds like the first first thing I thought of obviously was the uh, the way we were movie from '73 with Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford, which I had to Google who's in there because I never saw it. I, I didn't know it was a movie. I thought it was just a song. So okay, so I'm guessing maybe you know, like. The play on words like the way way we weren't the way we were not so maybe it's something fake or untrue about somebody that they were not something and people thought they were maybe
1: well or throw something at the wall here maybe it maybe we do some follow-up to this episode and we try to get the characters back to good terms with each other right back to the way we weren't so yeah way we weren't in this episode yeah yeah
0: and then the uh last one picture if you will that's kind of like most people think that's like the Rod Serling Twilight Zone opening, but apparently most people, me included, have that wrong. He actually says, "Imagine if you will," in the Twilight Zone like opening scroll. But maybe that's some kind of if you want to keep it literal. Maybe there's a picture, some kind of picture in the episode, or maybe if you want to do like the Twilight Zone, you know, that's what I thought of first. Maybe some kind of like alternate reality Twilight Zone kind of twist plot line. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's as good a guess as I could come up with because I'm, I'm leaning towards the Twilight Zoning one, um, which means it'll probably be a picture become usually wrong. But those are both kind of pop culture references, which they seem to like in these titles. Yeah, or it's their take on, like, what's that, the, the picture of Dorian Gray? Is that the play or movie or story, or whatever? So. Whatever it is, he's got to at least get it name dropped. So Yeah, yeah the, the, if, if
0: like if, if I quoted the Twilight Zone wrong, thinking that's what he said, maybe he'll quote it wrong in that episode because he always likes the pop culture reference, right? So. Right. All right. So that is your homework for next time. And we'll see you then. Good night. Or goodbye. Good day. Later.